There we are. Everybody just take one of those breaths, right? Who needed one of those this week? Nobody? Just me? Just to step back and say, all right, I got this. If this is your first week visiting, we actually have been in a series all of January called Margin. Margin and subtitled, Making Room for What Really Matters. Making Room for What Really Matters. This is the fourth and final week, but if you want to check out any of the other weeks, they're online each and every week and on our podcast, and you can check those out. Uh, I think this has been, uh, hopefully it's been a a, a good series for you starting out 2020. Yeah? Kind of reorienting things, thinking about things the way that God wants us to live. We've been talking about this idea of margin and talking about how God wants us to live our lives. Uh, I've shared time and time again, John 10.10 10 says that he, Jesus says he's come to bring life and bring it abundantly. And I think abundant life is actually life in God, with God, walking with him. And that life that he has for us, I believe, is found in the margin. It's found in the margins. And what do I mean by margin? I've shared this definition each and every week. It's the space between our current use of resources and our limitations. The space between our current use of resources and our limitations. And I've shared, you know, as Americans, as Westerners, we don't want to always admit that we have limitations. You know, we're kind of a culture where it's like we can do anything we put our mind to, but the truth is that our resources, our time, our talents, our energy, our abilities, they are not infinite, right? And so life is only found when we create margin in our life and actually invite God and the Holy Spirit into our lives to allow us to do things that we can't even think are possible without him. Life is found in the margins, and the problem that most of us have is that all of our margin, all of the space between our limits and our use is pre-spent, right? We're told to take everything to the max, to take life to the age and edge in our finances and our energy and the amount of hours we work and the amount of time that we have. We're just told to take it to the edge, and we're asking a question like, is that really what Jesus wants for us? Is that really what life's all about? Or maybe, just maybe, if we were to reorient our lives around him, he would call us to something more, and we would actually see more fruit in our lives, in our finances, in all of the ways that we live, centered on him, a little bit different. And so that's what we've been talking about each and every week. And this is the last week, and I pray that God uses this, uh, this sermon just like he has the rest. Would you turn with me, if you have a Bible with you, to Matthew. Matthew, that's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, if you have your phone, you can always thumb there, however you get there. Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. We'll be talking about this verse in a little bit, but I like to read it and allow us to set the stage based upon God's word this morning. Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. This is Jesus saying this to those listening to him teach. Come to me, all of you, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for gathering us here that we live in a country where we're free to do that. And that, Lord, we just ask, I ask you, that you would allow us in these moments that we share just to hear from you. Holy Spirit, 
we know that you are here. You have promised when two or three are gathered in your name, you are present, Lord. And we just ask that, Spirit, you would move in our midst, that you would open our ears, open our hearts to what you want us to say. Spirit, I need you to speak through me. I can't do this alone. Don't let me to say anything that's outside of this word or God's will. Lord, we, we want to offer this time to you as we offer ourselves to you. And Lord, I ask that this isn't a transfer of information, but that through the preaching of your word and our presence here and the power of your Holy Spirit, that our lives are transformed, that we are growing more and more into the image of Jesus. And as we leave here this week, as we enter school and work and we enter all the places that we, we go in our surrounding community, that people would see that transformation that you are Uh, working in our lives from the inside out. They would see the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we serve, and they would see something different from what they see in the world. And we would have the opportunity to share with them the good, good news about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, that's a tall order, but we know that this is, this is well within your control. So we surrender to you now and give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has anybody here ever run out of gas while they were driving? Does anybody want to admit it? There's a few, there's a few of you, yeah. Um, I know that only about 20% of you are going to get this, but one of my favorite shows in the 90s was Seinfeld, and one of my favorite episodes was the episode where Kramer was... Uh, doing a test drive on a car at a used car lot and he talked the salesman into driving with him and seeing how far they could push the car before it ran out of gas you know the whole video the whole episode was about that you know it's just the idea I mean I'm I'm convinced that there's two type of people in the world one type of person fills the car up after it goes below half a tank and the other type of person sees how long they can go on an empty tank There's really no difference. There's no one in between. And like, as God does it so often, usually we marry the opposite one, right? I, I, I actually thought when we first got married, I was convinced, she's not here, it's not fair, but she's used to it by now. I was convinced that Jessica never filled the car up because every time I got in her car, the car that she drove, the tank was all the way down at E. Now, if, gentlemen, if this is you, just keep your head straight ahead. No elbows, nothing, you know, I don't want any fights after church. But I was convinced this is what she did. Like, and then I realized after a few years when I finally said something to her, um, you know, the honeymoon wore off, and I was like, what is up with this? I realized, I'm kind of a half tank guy, and she's kind of a, let's see how far we can push it, you know? And then now they make the cars, and you actually tells you how many gallons, or how many miles you have left on, on the thing. I'm not sure if they're true or not. I, I'm really not sure, but, but now that that is on our cars, both our cars, my wife is even more empowered to see how far she could take it, right? It still says six miles, and I only have to go to church, you know? And in the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm like filled with anxiety about the whole thing. But, you know, this is, this is the way we go. Some of us, we're pu- we push it to the edge, especially with gas. And uh, I, I looked this week, and this is uh, a, a list that I found. I think it was funny. Reasons we, fall, we run out of gas. The reasons we, fall, we run out of gas. And I thought it was interesting just how close these things are to our own personal life and how we run out of gas in our own lives. The first one was, you're not starting out with a full tank, duh. You know, you're not filled up. You don't have enough gas to go wherever you're going. That's pretty simple. Uh, the other one is hidden leaks. You know, you think you have a lot of gas, but your gas is leaking out actually faster than you're driving it. Um, another one was hurry. 
Did you know that, uh, you know, the more you accelerate and the faster you drive, the more gas you burn? Did you know that? It's not too hard to figure out, right? Um, distraction. Some of us are so distracted. Um, I know this uh, in my own life. Sometimes you don't even look at the gas gauge, right? You don't re- recognize it because you're distracted with other things. If when you turn the car on this way or this way, it just goes, so you don't even think about it until maybe it's too late. Another reason is being overloaded, you know, and you have a car filled up with lots and lots of things. Do you know that it actually takes more gas to drive it? Yeah, most of us figure these things out. Um, pressure, pressure, pressure here actually means that the faster you accelerate, you're, some of us are really good at putting the gas pedal all the way down, and then we put the brake all the way down. Yeah? And you know who you are, too. I've, I've sat beside some of you at red lights before. As soon as that thing turns green, you think you're at the Daytona 500, right? You're, you're mashing that thing to the floor. But that, you know, that causes the gas to go down as well. Uh, some of it's pride. Uh, you may not think of it this way, but pride is, you know, I don't have to stop for gas. I got plenty to keep going. And the, rest of, the other one is no time. You just don't have time to stop. And so you try to push it. I think, I think honestly, some of us, we just, you know, we're, we're thankful that the gas gauge tells us how much more we have left because we just don't want to take the time to stop to get gas. And this is really the same way with lives. I think a lot of us, we're not starting out often with a full tank. If we're honest, when we talk about margin, we're kind of live life like an Olympic swimmer where we're underwater most of the time and when we finally run out of breath, we come up. <gasps> And then we're right back at it again. We're not really starting out with a full tank. Some of us, we have hidden leaks. We, uh, we have things that are draining our energy, and we're maybe not even sure of what they are. But they're things that are draining us on a daily basis. We're hurried. We're distracted. We're overloaded. Anyone feel overloaded sometimes in life? Just me, I guess. Okay. Um, I'll keep preaching anyway. Some of us are under pressure. Some of us, we don't want to admit that we can't take it to the edge. That's for the weak to take, take a break. It's for the weak to create margin. I'm stronger than that, right? Some of us have no time, but God's called us to something different, and we're often running out of gas. And so how do we fill our tank, or how do we keep our tank filled? Because some of us, we run out of gas. Some of us, were on the side of the road. Some of us, we just have had enough. And so how do we do that? I find that the easiest way to wrap our heads around how we live a life without running out of gas, without pushing ourselves to this place, is to have a life with margin. In our scripture today, Jesus actually is inviting us into a whole different way of living. I don't know if you know that, but this whole passage here is an invitation. It's an invitation to keep your tank filled. It's an invitation to life. It's an invitation to find a different way to live. And this is what he says. He says, come to me All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Weary and burdened. You know the first part of this invitation is actually admitting that you're weary and burdened. Like if, you know, the the first step to a problem is admitting that there's a problem. The first step is saying, you know what, I'm fed up. And hopefully after the last three weeks and this week, you understand, you know, there's a point in each of our lives, and I know the way that people have come back to me and said, man, this is really hitting home, that we could say, you know what, are we at a place in our lives where we're willing to say, we want to live differently, we want to stand differently, we want to be different from the way culture's pushing us to live, and we are weary and burdened. If you are weary and burdened, then Jesus gives you an invitation. He says, come to me. 
and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I'm the source of it. I'm the fuel for your life. I have the power to do that. I just shared that. I am the source of your power. I am the source of what you need. Even youths, in Isaiah it says, grow tired and weary, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. That is the source of life that we have. And he says, come to me, because the way that you live without running out of fuel is in me. It's with me. And the way he talks about that is amazing. He goes on and he says this, take up my yoke and learn from me. Now that's a weird phrase, isn't it? Yeah? I mean, how would you feel if I walked up to you and I was like, Brian, take up my yoke. You'd be like, you're weird, right? I mean, this, it's just not something we say these days. And, but in, in the time that Jesus was teaching, the time that Jesus lived, this idea of a yoke, you know what a yoke is? It's that, that wooden piece that goes across the oxen back, oxen's back when you're, they're pulling a cart or pulling something heavy. In this, in this age, when Jesus was teaching, rabbis often referred to their teaching, the whole of their teaching, the ways that they would teach people how to follow God and how to live as their yoke. And so the people that Jesus was talking to were familiar with the yoke of the Pharisees, familiar with the yoke of the rabbis. And that yoke was often very burdensome. That yoke gave them a picture of how to live life that they realized they could never fulfill. That yoke was so heavy that Jesus chastised the the Pharisees saying, you're putting a pressure on these people. They're unable to live by it. In fact, you're unable to live by it. And Jesus broke right into that and he said, take up my yoke. Listen to my teaching. I'm inviting you on a way to live that is so different from anything you've ever heard before. If you would take that up, you'll learn something different and you'll learn a way to live differently. It's interesting to me, this word yoke, is a, the idea behind it actually has a Greek, a Greek basis in the original language that the New Testament was written. And the word yoke actually has the same root word as where we get the word zygote. Zygote. Do you know what a zygote is? Now I had to really dig into research because I'm not a biologist. So for you that are biologists in this room, you have to give me some, some slack today. But a zygote is the idea is when a cell's formed by fertilization between two cells. Two other cells come together and the, the zygote's genome is a combination of the DNA of those two cells coming together. It contains all the genetic information from each separate cell as the two become one. And this idea of these two cells coming into one creates the basis for, listen, new life. That's what biology tells us. And so Jesus, when people are wondering how to live, people are wondering how do we walk in a different way? 
Jesus says, you've seen beasts of burden be linked together, pulling a load by a yoke. You've been taught a way to live that's referred to as a yoke. But listen, my invitation to you, my invitation, and it's interesting that we've now used the same root to create a thing in biology. My invitation is to you that you would join with me and we would be linked together and we would become one. And the outflow of our walking in this life together would be new life. Our new life. You see, Jesus' invitation to you, Jesus' invitation to me, if you will admit that you are weary, if you will admit that you are burdened, if you will admit that you need rest, he says, come to me, walk with me, take my yoke upon your shoulders, and we will become one. And out of that will birth something new, something that you need. The purpose of a yoke, folks, just in the basic sense, is that the two people pulling whatever it is to carry would be sharing the load with one another. The purpose of a yoke would be that if two people are linked together through a yoke, that as one took a step, the other one would take a step, and that they would walk together. The purpose of a yoke is that you give up control about the direction that you go because you have to keep in step with the one you are yoked to. You with me? That's what Jesus is saying. Walk in step with me. Paul writes in Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit. Paul is inviting us, Jesus is inviting us to be joined with him, to have new life in him, to live our lives with a mindset that how he goes, we'll go. The pace that he takes, we'll take that pace. And that the burden that we carry, we share with him because as we are joined together with him, as we walk in new life with him, we no longer feel weary. We no longer feel burdened. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me because here's the deal. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, if you, back to verse 28, if you say, I'm weary, I'm burdened, and you can admit to that, yes, then there's a pretty good chance that you're not yoked with him fully in every way. Because he says being yoked with me is easy. My, my burden is light. The Living Bible puts it this way. Jesus' invitation says, wear my yoke. It fits perfectly. It's not something that feels odd. It doesn't feel like we don't need it. When, when I'm yoked with Jesus, folks, when, I, when I'm with him, when I'm walking with him, when I feel his burden is light and easy, when I'm with, in the same direction, walking in the same direction as him, when I'm walking at the same pace as him, I can tell a difference in my life. My ability to do my job is different. My ability to pour myself out to others is different because you know what? I'm operating from a full tank. And you know where I also feel, internally and externally? I feel at a state of rest. I do. You know why that is? Because Jesus promised that. Look what he says at the rest of this verse. He says, learn from me. Walk the way that I walk. Walk with me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. This word rest could actually be translated two different ways. The first is basically to cease, to stop in your movements, to stop in your labor, to take a, take a rest and recover and collect your strength for the next thing. Right? Most of us would probably think of that. And Jesus says, yes, if you learn from me, if you were to learn the way that I, that I live and walk by my teachings, you're going to find that rest. You're going to find the ability to cease. You're going to find the way to recover and have your life and find strength again. But he also, this word in rest also could mean relief from trouble and anxiety. I'm going to say that one more time just in case you're falling asleep. It also could mean relief from trouble and anxiety. Now, I don't ask, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I can tell you, I, I feel like in our churches today, and our culture today, that, there, that one of Satan's favorite things right now is just this spirit of anxiety over people. This constant spirit of pressure. This constant feel, spirit of worry. I talk to so many people, it basically just pours out of us constantly. We're worried about this. We're worried about that. Our anxiousness sometimes keeps us from anything. I've never experienced it as I do right now. And don't hear that as a condemnation. What I see that as is a spirit that Satan has really just kind of given this entire culture to keep us from finding what it truly means to live life in him. He says, if you walk with me, if you're willing to be joined with me in new life, if you're willing to keep in step and at pace with me, if you're willing to conform your life to my teachings, you'll find out that my burden's light, my burden's easy, and the life of walking with me in the rhythm that I live will be one that produces in you a ceasing from your work, a recovery from your life. And not only that, but you'll be able to find relief from the anxiety, the fears, the stresses that you live in each and every day. That is what Jesus is inviting us to. And if we don't live this way, if we don't live a life yoked with Jesus, we are unable to truly live in life in margin, truly live in a life and where we're supposed to live as Christians. Truly live in the life that we actually see ourselves as people that are shaped by our, follow, by our King Jesus to take the message and the way that he lives to the world around us. You see, because... To live with Jesus and to walk with Jesus, as you know, as I've said each and every week, to be able to do this, I believe that we have to predecide. Surprise. We do. Because, as I've shared time and time again, the flow of culture is going to take us to the max. The flow of culture is going to take us to anxiety. The flow of culture is going to take us to learn from other people that aren't Jesus, that are going to... Uh, you want to talk about an anxiety, just turn on any cable news network you want. You choose. Or turn on any six o'clock news that you want. You choose. And tell me if that half an hour or hour isn't intended just to make you feel like the world's going to end and your life is full of anxiety. Because that's the flow that culture takes. 
And if you live in that place, if we live in that place, and if we don't predecide to live a different way, then the impact that God wants to make through us as the followers of Jesus will never happen because we are living the way the world wants rather than the way that Jesus has invited us to live. And so I see in this passage, I see in our lives kind of to cap off this series as a way for us to understand the pattern that Christ is inviting us into. And it's a pattern where we think about our life in this way, to work, invest, and rest. Now, if you're here last week, if you weren't, that's okay. You, you can check it out online. But last week, I talked about this simple way, because I'm not really, as if you haven't caught on, like, I'm not a real smart guy. I'm just kind of, you know, I have to make it simple for me so that you can do it. You know, it's basically, people ask, how do I present a message? I I was like, I have to make it simple enough I understand it, then I can preach it, you know? But I talked about our finances, and I I said, you know, for my wife and I, we pre-decide to give our finances in this way. We, We understand that, yeah, we have to live. That's, that's natural, right? But actually, the priority that we make is that we've decided that a percentage that God has called us to as a family, we're going to give. And we're going to give that to God first. We're going to choose to give that to God first, and that's a bucket that we have. And, and we fill that. And we also choose each and every time we have a paycheck. It's funny, I was going to take a picture of it. Um, on my calendar, on my phone, every single payday, it says, give, save, live. And that wasn't just so I could preach this message. It's been there for years because it's what we do first as soon as we receive income. We've, we've agreed we're going to take a percentage and we're going to save it, right? And then we've agreed and we've kind of reoriented our lives so that we could live. So that we could live and we live off of a percentage of our income. That's how we do it. And as I think about following Jesus, as I think about how does Jesus invite me to live, I recognize this, as you would too. I, under, I recognize that, you know what, like for most of us, not for all of us in the room, but for most of us, and even for those of you that are in the room um, that are retired, you still have to work, right? There's still things in your day that you have to do. And for most of us, if not all of us, unlike the give, save, live, this bucket isn't always in our control, Right? Like, good luck going into your, your boss tomorrow and say, listen, my pastor said that I'm supposed to have three buckets in my life, and one of them's work, and I don't have enough room for the other two that I'm about to share with you, so this needs to be shrunk a little bit, but I want to keep the same pay. Yeah, if you find a boss like that, come find him, for, uh, come tell me about him, but we all have to work, we all have things we have to do, even if you don't work for pay, if you, ho- if you have a home, and you have children, or even if you have a home, there's things that you have to do because everything goes to disorder after time. There's work. And that's a certain percentage of our life, right? It's a certain percentage of your life, of your time, of your energy, of your resources, of your gifts, your abilities. And so that's kind of a given, and we have work. And then I believe that we need to rest. Jesus said there's a rest for our soul, right? We have to rest. We have to have time to replenish. That's just a given, And the less you have in this bucket, usually the worse you are at this. I've talked to people over the last two weeks, no lie, people, not in this congregation and the one down the street, but that that live off of like three, four hours of sleep a night. You know, that's, that's insane to me, but we need to rest. And then I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're called to invest our lives. 
to invest our lives in his kingdom. And I think we, as we think about these three buckets, as we think about our lives, we, we can think about it this way. So let's talk about work for a second. You know, in Colossians, Paul writes this to the church in Colossae. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a result. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You see, we all have to work, and that's a percentage of our life, but if we respond with a heart and a mind the way that Jesus has invited us to live life in Matthew 11, he's inviting us to live life where even our work is a place that he can enter. Even our work is a place where we could be yoked to him. Even our work could be a place where we keep in step and in pace with him. Even our work can be a place where he can speak in us and through us and we can minister. I've shared this before, but some of you, this was a major thing in my life with Christ when I finally understood this. And this was before I became a pastor. This was when I was a police officer. That I could actually view my vocation as a mission field. That maybe, just maybe, even though I wasn't a pastor, that God used me because I was a Jesus follower, and he gave me the gifts and abilities and planted me in the place where I'm working so that I could be on mission for him. And even when I wasn't, I'm not saying evangelizing people, I'm not saying that every single day I just walked around trying to pray with people, I did that, but even just maybe when I was about the normal life that I lived as I worked, that God was asking me to be yoked with him, to work for him, to walk with him, and that my work could be revolutionized from a place where I thought that I was working for human masters to a place where I realized that Christ was inviting me to be yoked with him even there, and that my inheritance and reward for work was actually serving him. It transformed the way I saw work. Because I'll tell you, when management, upper management made a decision that wasn't, didn't make any sense because they never worked in the real world anymore, they forgot what it was like, sorry if you're a manager, and if you're not, you, you can say amen, it's okay, they're not in here probably, right? When they made these decisions, and you were like, did you ever do my job, right? That just didn't seem to make sense, and everybody around me was talking about how the union was going to respond, or everybody was in the break room complaining about it. You know what I did? I didn't join in with it. You know what I did? I took a different mindset. And you know what started to happen? Guys started to ask me, what's with you, Gonak? Why aren't you flipping out about this like everybody else? Right? It's because I have a different mindset. I have a different heart set. And even if it's not fair, my beginning and end doesn't begin and end with human masters. I'm here to do my best for Christ. And it transformed how weary and burdened I was with my work. It did. It really changed it. But then I've also grown, and I've also grown in my life to understand, like I said, it's as a pastor, but even before I was a pastor, that part of being a follower of Jesus meant that I needed to invest my life in other people. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul writes to his protege, a pastor that he invested in. He tells him, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable people who will be able to be qualified to teach others. 
I could preach a whole sermon on this itself, but there's a process within our Christian life where we learn that every single thing that we have received from God, everything we've received from people that have taught us was an investment into our lives so we could invest that into others. And listen to me, if this bucket is fills 95 to 100% of your life, and you all you do is work, you will not have any margin in your life to invest in anyone. You won't. And I'm going to step on some toes here. Can I do that? You're like, no. Our culture has, this, has also allowed us to buy into a lie that when this day's finally done and that you retire, right, that all of the margin you've gained from retirement is now for you. I don't see that in my Bible. The kingdom of God doesn't have a retirement date. It doesn't. And so, yeah, we have work, but we're called to invest. We're, we're called to, to give that to somebody else. We're called as spiritual people to shift in our lives from being spiritual consumers to spiritual contributors. And that can begin the day that we say yes to Jesus. I've shared this before, but I will tell you that I would not be standing here if it wasn't for men of God who were retired, who did not believe that the kingdom of God retired, and had took it upon themselves to seek me out in a local church and invite me into their life and pour out from their margin into my life so that I could become the man of God Christ was calling me to be and that the spirit of God would change my heart so that this knucklehead, hard-headed cop would finally surrender his life to God's and call on his life to preach the message of God and be a pastor in the kingdom. Because I said no for 15 years. And it wasn't until somebody actually who was yoked with Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who walked freely and lightly and had figured out how to create margin in their life, understood that the kingdom of God involved investing, sorry, wrong bucket, investing in people. Investing in people. And there's heroes in this room right now that do that. Do you realize it doesn't have to be like, if you're a coach, you're investing in people. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you're investing in people. If, you've, if there's somebody in your life that's further behind you in the walk with Jesus, guess what? You can invest in them. Those of you that serve back there monthly in our children's ministry, I hope you realize that you're not back there to babysit children so the grown-ups can listen to the pastor. That's not what you're doing. You are investing in the lives of children, and we know that the majority of people that declare saving faith come to Christ before they're 12 years old. And most of my ministry is actually to people older than that. And so if you choose to take margin in your life to invest in those children, you are sowing into the kingdom of God in a way that I can't, in a way that we need. My kids need you to invest in them. Kara Powell, who's at Fuller Youth Institute, I preached about this last year, said that the average child to to have their faith after they graduate from high school needs five to seven adult mentors aside from their parents to invest in them so that their faith sticks with them. 
And as a church, we believe that it's okay if we have one adult to seven kids. And the, the readings that they're now coming out with research says it's actually the other way around. That the more people that are willing to invest their lives, to take, uh, uh, to take an investment in the lives of kids. If you serve in our children's ministry or with our youth, you are my heroes. You are. Because this is what we need to be in our church. You know, rarely, and maybe you're, maybe you're out, but I could say the same thing. Rarely do people say, when you ask them about their spiritual journey, about, and you ask them about the people that had the greatest impact on their life, rarely do they say their pastor. It's their Sunday school teacher. It's their small group leader. Is there somebody that came alongside, invited them into their life, invited them into the word with them, and invested in them? We have to be a church. I am committed going forward to be a church where we take this seriously, where we understand that we need to create margin in our lives, and we can do that by being yoked with Jesus and then share what he's taught us and how he's taught us to live with others. That's what we're meant to be as a church. And then it all comes down to rest. It all comes down to rest. Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, it's not some legalistic thing that we have to rest. It's this idea that God's given us that, you know what? It's good for us to be rested We are created finite by the infinite, and the infinite knew that the finite would need time to rest, time to regroup, time to uh, reset, time to get rid of our anxiety and our stress and rest in him. And Jesus has promised if we walk with him, if we're yoked with him, we'll find rest for our souls. But he's also given us an invitation to have time of rest in our lives, 24 hours a week. To say, I'm not going to engage in anything but resting in Christ. That sounds ridiculous, Dan, right? What are you talking about? It was so important to God, though. Listen to this. So important to God, he put it on his top ten list. He did. The Ten Commandments. He put it on his top ten list. Which, if it was that important, have you ever looked at the other stuff on that top ten list? Adultery. Murder. Right? So... If that was that important, then I don't know. Maybe we should think about doing it. Maybe being a workaholic, if being a workaholic rates up with there, then maybe we should stop back and say, maybe God actually had a purpose for the rest in our life. Do you realize that the Israelites, an entire nation of people, an entire nation of people that were commanded to rest, the only time that they weren't able to do that, I've shared this before, the only time that they weren't able to follow God's commandment for Sabbath was when they were slaves in Egypt. So if you're here today and you don't have the ability to find 24 hours to rest, I would argue with you, I would say to you lovingly, you're probably a slave to something. Because God has invited you into a rhythm with him, to be yoked with him so that you can work from a state of rest, not rest from your work. God's designed us to be productive. He's designed us to work, but he's designed us to be human beings not human doings. And if we don't have rest in our life, then we'll never have margin in our life to invest in others or to do work for the glory of God. It's just the way we're designed. Jesus in John 15 said that he's inviting us to something. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? 
He says, abide in me, remain in me. If you walk with me, if you're yoked with me, you will bear much fruit. But he says, you know what? Apart from me, you know this, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what he says. If this bucket is not full, if this bucket isn't full, or at least full enough so that you can do these other things of taking time to rest, if this bucket doesn't have part of it full with taking time to abide, to spend time with Jesus, to get to know Jesus, to learn from him, to walk with him, if this bucket's completely empty and you are trying to do these other two things out of an empty bucket, I promise you it will show. I promise you. But Jesus hasn't invited us to that, has he? He says, come to me. Walk with me. Yoke with me. And take all that I am into all of you and you will find rest from your souls. You will operate from a full tank rather than an empty one. In fact, I will tell you as a pastor, I am best in what God's called me to do when I'm operating out of the overflow of my time with Jesus. When I'm operating out of the overflow of resting in him. When I'm operating out of the overflow of his spirit at work in my life as I am yoked with him. And can I tell you something else? My worst days, my worst days as a dad, my worst days as a husband, my worst days as a pastor, my worst days as a follower of Jesus, my worst days where I close my office door and have a Dan pity party are the days, yeah, they happen. Oh, my life's so terrible. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms, right? Those days. It happens when I'm trying to fill this bucket and live out of this bucket without these other two. Every time. I know it. It's just the way I am. But God's invited us to be yoked with him. God's invited us to a whole different pattern. And Jesus has invited us to understand this idea of margin as an invitation from him. He says, come to me. One of my favorite translations of this verse, not in totality, but of this verse itself is Eugene Peterson's The Message. If you've ever been to my house, you'll actually see this verse, this translation I'm about to share with you over my fireplace in my house. And you know why? Because I need it, read it. I need to read it every day. Yeah, I do. But it kind of, I just want to close by looking at this together. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He doesn't mean faith. He means trying to live life for God on your own terms, right? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, oh, I love this phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
It's an invitation to create margin in our lives. It's an invitation to walk in a rhythm with him. Folks, if we can learn to do this, God can do more in and through us for the greater of his kingdom. If you can learn to do this, he can build more fruit into your lives. If he can learn, if you can learn to do this, you're going to shift in a place in your life where you're striving and you're worn out and you're burned out to where you're finding rest for your souls. But it's all about being yoked with Jesus and inviting and responding to his invitation to be yoked with him, to walk with him in that new life he's promised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for your word, thankful for this invitation from you. And I just ask, Lord, that as we take a step away from this margin series, that that what you've worked out in our hearts and our lives, that we would that we'd be able to take some steps this, this year in 2020. Steps to create margin and to think about the way that our calendar is packed with things and ask the question, is, are the things that consume most of my time, talent, energy, and resources things that would conform me into the image of God? Is my calendar actually shaping me to be the person you're calling us to be? Lord, that we would ask the hard question of, Lord, are we using the resources and our finances the way you've called us to? Do we need to create margin in our finances so that we can understand that we are blessed by you to bless others and to use our excess for the benefit of others and the benefit of your kingdom? That we'd ask the question, how do we walk in a way with Jesus that creates rest for our souls and it involves working for you with all our heart, investing in others the way we've been invested in, and resting in you, abiding in you, establishing rhythms in our life, Lord, where we're we're operating out of the overflow of our love and our time with you. Father, we need your help, though. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us just to take one step this week. Just to take one step and let that step be yoked with you. And let that step lead to another, and that lead to another until we find rest for our souls. Would you do that for us, Lord? Would you help us, Lord? We want to bring glory to your name. We want to bring your good news to all the earth. We want you to shine bright through us. In Jesus' name, amen.